Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Well, 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 Buck fans. I hope you didn't go to sleep last night. I know for 57 minutes the Bucks tried to put you to sleep, but you don't be lying to us. We know deep down if you went to sleep or not and turned off the TV in the Bucks' dramatic 17 to 16 Monday night football win over the rival, heated, hated rival New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady, two touchdowns in the last three minutes. We're going to get into that. Peter Blake. Yes. Welcome in, Peter Blake. Uh, it's great to be here, my friend, on a winning edition of the No Quarter Given. And you're exactly right. For the majority of the game, uh, you were put to sleep. If you had uh, insomnia, it was the cure-all for it until, of course, uh, the Brady magic there the last three minutes of the game. Just amazing, frustrating, uh, just so many emotions uh, ran through my head. And you know I do a post-game edition of the yep. Sports Web. And I'm getting ready just to lambaste them, lambaste them. Yes. And then all of a sudden, here we go again, Tom Brady with uh, doing Tom Brady things. So it's amazing at this juncture. The Bucks improved to six and six. Again, dramatic 17-16 win scored. You know, the game went a touchdown pass Brady to Rashad White, three seconds left in the game. And we're going to get into some of the strategy and some of the drama that led up to all that first. But just give me, uh, and we're going to, provide the bucks a little uh, the fans a little news just as we're recording this Jalen Darden the return man fourth round draft pick from a year ago one of Peter Blake's favorites I know yes, absolutely everybody I mentioned that on Facebook they're like he's your favorite wide receiver he's not my favorite wide receiver I wish him well uh but as I've always said I felt like the bucks could do a little bit better a lot better for a pump returner than a Jalen Darden. So happy trails. We'll see what the Bucks do. Is it Scotty Miller? Is it somebody else? Are they going to elevate a wide receiver? Are they going to go outside of the organization? Because I got tired of the guy fair catching when there's nobody around. I got <laughs> tired of the guy falling down uh, yeah. like uh, Traction Jackson there, Dexter Jackson, uh, not the uh, Super Bowl MVP, the guy they drafted in the second round out of Appalachian State. You know who I'm talking about. You know, when this team passed up on Deshaun Jackson, yeah. that guy, I got tired of this guy running out of bounds. So once again, I think anything would be an improvement over Jalen Darden. So once again, happy trails. Good luck to him. Yep. Let's move on at this point. Before we get into the game, the, the key why this game was so important, other than the dramatic win, is it now gives the Bucks breathing room in the center, in the South. There's no more. You're not. You're, you're up two games on everybody. New Orleans is done. Atlanta's all but done. So you really have a have some room for error now because you got two tough games coming up. 
San Francisco, Cincinnati, which we'll talk about. But now this really gives the Bucks some breathing room, and they can really – all you got to do is really win probably two more games, and you're locked to win the division. Probably three is absolutely guaranteed, but two more wins, and you're going to win the division, and you got some very winnable games after the next two. So the pressure of having to win one of these next two – it's still important, but it's not critical as it would have been now that you got a multiple game lead. And the last time Jason Powers, the Bucks swept the New Orleans Saints, yep. 2007. <laughs> you remember that year? Not good, I don't think. Jeff Garcia, I believe, was the starting quarterback. That team was eliminated because they did make the playoffs. They did a playoffs. Yes, they had a first round game against the New York Giants. Yep, Strahan and company, Strahan, Eli. Yep, Brandon Jacobs beat him in the first round, but that's the last time they swept the Saints. I forgot about that, but they did. did. That's how good that team was that year, I guess, or lack thereof in that first round. And then, uh, of course, the Giants went on to win the Super Bowl and beat who? Tommy Brady. New England Patriots and Tom Brady. And again, all your Bucks info, go to buckpower.com. This this podcast is part of the buckpower.com podcast network. Go see Paul Stewart on Buckpower TV for all of his montages. He's going to provide a montage of the 49ers coming up here when we're done breaking down the game. So you're going to be able to hear that as well. So again, all your Buck knowledge and all that stuff, buckpower.com is the place to go. All right, let's get into the game. Yes. Great first drive for the Buccaneers. They hold the ball for about over eight minutes, go down the field. They, they show some creativity they show some balance they get some runs some completions but again we get inside the 10 yard line and here comes the famous wide receiver screen for nothing they don't throw one ball in the end zone on that drive when they had goal to go which was to me just very that's just you can't do that when you got goal to go one of the three plays has to be a throw in the end zone they don't do it they end up having to kick a field goal which you have to kick the field goal you can't go for it you got to get points but disappointing that they don't get a touchdown but impressive that they go 16 17 plays hold the ball for eight plus minutes yeah but again a field goal is not going to win you games at the end of the day and i just love you know the uh creativity if you will this offensive staff not to go with the fade to Mike Evans, not to use the size and Julio Jones at that point, not to use Chris Godwin. Instead, you go with the screen. And by the way, the way that was drew up, uh, great job by Julio Jones uh, setting the block there. Oh, wait, there's a problem with that. Jones is on your team. He got in the (laughs) way of Chris Godwin. That's a problem in itself. Enough of the screens and enough of running the ball on first down, although – uh, they were somewhat good on that first drive with doing that. But again, you got to change it up. And then on top of that, and I know you're going to mention this, but Tom Brady missed some throws last he night. Did. Some big time plays, a couple to Julio Jones. One Scotty Miller was- open on a long yep. one down the sideline. Yep. Uh, under through that. And who knows if he hit those guys in stride, it's a different game. But at the end of the day, you got to start completing those. And that's the key to this uh, success of the team last year. Those 20-yard plays, they're yes. number one in the National Football League this year, not so much. Yeah, and again, new, after that first drive, New Orleans kind of takes control of the game after that. Taysom Hill scores a touchdown on a bad play by Keanu Neal. Again, I, I hate Keanu Neal in pass coverage. He's having to play on more plays than needed because of the injuries in the secondary with, with Winfield out, with Murphy Bunning out. So I, I get it. He has to play. But he's not a good pass defender at all. Got exposed by uh, Taysom Hill on another bust. And, and again, New Orleans just methodically, you let Andy Dalton just keep dinking and dunking. 
keep the keep the chains moving and they get out to a uh you know 7-3 10-3 then 13-3 16-3 lead just methodically in the like you said the bucks could not put together any drives you know you know you you mentioned Brady missed a couple throws the protection wasn't bad i think they gave up maybe two sacks the protection was pretty decent uh for the most part but again after that first drive struggled to run the ball you saw a little bit of fournette but again Rashad White's kind of looked like to me He's getting probably sixty percent of the of the of the snaps at tailback. I think you're seeing a changing of the guard at tailback. You should, and you saw Lenny had a little bit of a burst, but again, it looks like he's running with a piano on his back at some points during the game. He's either yep. hurt or he's out of shape. Right. Rashad White gives them a little bit more uh, than that. Again, he's dynamic. He has the speed. He's elusive. He can catch the ball, but Jason Powers, he can't put the ball on the ground, and he did that later on yep. in the game. And it, it somewhat cost the Bucks because the Saints scored six points off of turnovers. Once again, the defense, uh, you know, proving once again they're going to keep this team in the game no matter what. And, and and Tom and Mike still are having some issues on getting connected. I don't know if it's the play calling. We don't, you and I don't see the all twenty-two, so we don't know if the plays that the ball's not going to Evans is Evans open on those plays. We don't know that because of the cover. We don't see that. Only they see that. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to kill them. Evans did get, end up with four or five catches there in second half. So, that's good. It was good to see. He obviously was critical in drawing that 50-yard pass interference call. That set up the first touchdown to get to 16-10. to 10. So, I like to see that. That was good to see. But, again, whatever reason, Evans and Tom just are not on the same page. No, and I don't think he's necessarily 100%. Not that every football player isn't 100%, right? I mean, everybody's hurt, banged up, but it certainly seems like Evans has some rib problems on top of it. Uh, he's not getting necessarily the separation, and when he does get the separation, which if you watched uh, the first sideline pass to Julio Jones, not only is Jones open, but Mike Evans is open, probably more open than Jones. Tom just doesn't see him. He sees Julio instead, tries to go to him, overthrows him, but I guarantee you, if you told me that Mike Evans, the majority of the night, was not going to get the ball, that would be Marshawn Lynch or Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lattimore was right. covering him. He wasn't in the game. He didn't play right. in the game. So I don't understand the game plan. Uh, he gets one pass for 14 yards before halftime, and that was it. I expected a bigger showing, especially with Evans and how difficult it's been uh, you know, getting defended by Lattimore. All right, let's get to the good stuff. It was 16-3, about a uh, couple couple coaching decisions that were had to be made. One, late third, I think it was late third quarter, right at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the Bucks on fourth and five from the third on the 40-yard line again, the scoring 40 decide to punt. I just don't understand what Todd's thinking. And I get you're a defensive guy, and I think you always think, oh, the defense is going to hold them, but you can't. You know, and your guy, the punt god, on that situation, you hear uh, Brady, you hear Brady drop the f ball on the sideline. It's because Camarda kicks the ball eight yards deep in the end zone when it's fourth and five from the forty, which is just a ridiculous play by Camarda. You can't have that as the punter. So, I mean, I, I hated that decision. That was to me, that was the worst decision than punting from the twenty-five later on. It's the foreshadowing, right? I mean, it goes back to Todd Bowles and his comments of not believing in Tom Brady, putting the ball in Tom Brady's hands, thinking that he's going to throw an interception. It's time to let Brady make the calls. It's time to let Brady call the plays, and it's time for this team to have urgency. And if you have an opportunity to go for fourth and five and you have nothing going at that point, 
at least you'll have some execution with your punter doing the right thing. Booming it through the end zone does absolutely nothing, makes no sense at all. And it's the fallacy of having a defensive-minded coach. I get it. They win the game, but these are the type of games you're yep. going to win. It's going to be tough to do that over and over again. I get it. The defense is fifth in the National Football League, but they have injuries. They've had moments where they're giving up big plays, communication breakdowns, and you would rather have that offense be more aggressive with all the weapons, and we're still sitting here in Week 13 talking about this team not able to score more than 17, 18 points a game. It's got to change, and it starts with coaching. It starts with the philosophy of stop trying to be a defensive-minded coach, have confidence in your offense, and have confidence in the greatest of all time. Let Brady make the calls. And then and then, as far as the punting, I'm, again, I'm not here to kill Camarda, but the other punts, several other punts in the game were just, they were distance-wise great, but the hang time was too flat, which, yep. which set up a couple long returns for the Saints. Again, it's hard. Again, I, I've punted, so I understand it's it's Came not back the down e to earth. It was a bad. He's game. not a punt god. We're not putting him in the Hall of Fame, Peter Blake. Not yet, but I tell you right now, he has definitely been a weapon for this he's team. Helped. He's, he's had a good year. Big time picks, and if that's not one, it's Kate Otten, and of course Rashard White later on. But Carmona has had a good year. He has not a great not night last night. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the other big decision. About six minutes to go in the game. We Fourth all know, by the way, Jalen Darden's your boy. So that's why you're up shit. there. You're just yeah, taking right. this out on me right now. Fourth and 10 on the 25 with about five and a half, six minutes to get. I don't have the biggest problem in the world with him punting there because it's fourth and 10. If the odds, the Bucks haven't made a fourth and 10 or third and 10 in forever. I know everybody says go for it. I get it. But I don't have the biggest problem in the world for him punting there because the game is truly over if you don't make it there. Right. Well, Three for 47 this year when the Bucks face 10, 10 plus yards. Yes, three for 47. That's amazing in itself, and that's the problem. You have to have manageable third downs all yes. night long, which means you got to stop running the ball. And if you do run the ball, you got to at least get four to five yards on that first down, or basically you got your back against the wall and you're looking at third and 10, third and 12, or you pick up a penalty. So you're exactly right. At the time, did I like the call? No, I didn't. Was it the right call? Yeah. Yes, it was. But once again, it goes back to the conservative nature of Todd Bowles. He's got to get out of this. He's got to have confidence in Tom Brady. And I almost feel like Brady was going to stay on the field. And it really shows you how much control he does have of this offense or doesn't have of this offense because he was trying to stay on the field. Of course, the punter gets on the field. And, uh, you know, those drives in itself, a net yardage of 20 and 28 by Carmada. It's not going to get it done because you had a long return on that punt. All right, let's go to the let's go to the help that the Saints provided. We pumped the ball yes. away fourth and 10. New Orleans has a, you know, Mark Ingram runs out of bounds, would easily have gotten a first down. First of all, he could have put his head down and easily got the first down. And two, he runs out of bounds, stopping the clock. So right. he sets up third and one. Then New Orleans tries to run a little tricky slant pattern on third and one. Incomplete, stops the clock. Again, plays right into our hands there with Dennis Allen and company. He's another guy similar to Bowles. Great, very good defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, a lot of questions about his viability. We get we catch a break, and to the Bucks' credit, they punt the ball back to us. We then start marching down the field, which sets up the, the, the Mike Evans interference call. 
They leave their, their corner exposed, which surprised me as well. Why you're not playing too deep and forcing Brady to, to dink and dunk it and burn the clock, I don't know. But the Bucks get the get the, the deep post route that turns into pass interference, and it's now 16-10 to 10 with about three minutes to go in the game. Yeah, you go 91 yards. And again, you know, this is the reason why you have Mike Evans involved in the game plan in the first place because he's a mismatch nightmare. You can't guard 6'5", 6'6", with deceptive speed with a guy who can absolutely get separation on any given night. Maybe he hasn't done it lately, but he did it on that play. Yep. And that was a huge play that sets up the Otten touchdown. So the Saints get the ball about 250 left. The good thing is, I think one of the reasons why the Bucks punted earlier was they had their timeouts. Had they burned a timeout or two before that, they would have gone for it fourth and 10 because of the time factor. First down stop. The critical play was second down. I thought they were going to throw the ball, and that was probably the right play. But if you're Andy Dalton, you cannot take a sack there. Takes a seven- or eight-yard sack by Carl Nassib. Great job by Nassib and the coverage and the defensive backfield to cover. But if you're Andy Dalton, you can't take a sack there. Either throw the ball away to, to save third and eight, but you can't lose eight more yards because that just sets up the th- uh, third down that it's a give-up play. You're not going to risk it there through the Saints. The Bucks now get off the field again. They still have one timeout after third down, which is a plus. Your thoughts on that on the play selection there by the Saints? Well, if you watch the replay, Nassib looks like Bobby Boucher from the Waterboy. I mean, he is absolutely looking to crush Andy Dalton. They were making a joke about this. He absolutely looked at him, sets up that third and 17. And, of course, that is a critical play because it looks like Taysom Hill, a buck killer, is wide open. But and you're right. I, I should I should amend what I said. It mm-hmm. wasn't a give-up play. New Orleans went for it, and Dalton made an unbelievable throw yes. in the three-deep coverage. Right, and Keanu O'Neal, Jamel Dean's there, but Keanu O'Neal with the play of the night after giving up yes. that wide-open touchdown to Taysom Hill, he redeems himself, and that's when the Bucks get back the ball. A huge play right there by Neal. And I'll give Neal full credit because in, earlier in his career, he's had some reputation of hitting guys high. Correct. Perfect form tackle, not hitting the guy in the hell. Taysom Hill in the head, hit right on the ball. Jamel Dean had a hand in there as well. So just great. That's technique right there. That's what Todd Bowles wants to see out of his out of the defense. Technically sound. Don't try to make too much of a play. Make the play on the ball. Correct. Absolutely. All right. So the Bucks don't have any turnovers again. Have a couple sacks. Still struggling with outside pressure. Again, again, give Keanu Neal and Dean full credit. But what a throw by Dalton. Mm. I mean, that's just a, you got to give him credit. That was an unbel- That was just a great football play all around. Dalton makes the great throw. Neal and Dean make the great defensive play. The Bucks now get the ball back at about the 25-27 yard line. Plenty of time. And now it's Tom Brady time. That's why this is why he's the GOAT. That's why he's the greatest two-minute quarterback of all time. And the hurry-up offense is back in play now. Just run the whole hurry-up offense the whole game. I agree. I'm, I'm just run it, run it, run it until the wheels fall off or until you get tired. Because if you run that offense, first and foremost, you wear out that defense because the defense can't substitute. Yes. Furthermore, you show urgency and you allow Brady to do what he does best, which is call plays, you know, quick clock management, Smart guy, IQ, greatest of all time. Why not? Why are they continuing I don't, yeah. the same offense and not running with some urgency? I hope they do it against San Francisco. Come out, punch them in the mouth, run a two-minute offense, trick them, wear their defense out, and then take the lead. 
Just saying. And I'll give and I'll give Leftwich credit. They mixed in a couple running plays there. Whether that was Brady calling it or Leftwich, they mixed in a couple running plays at the right time. They, you know, they 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 got a first down right before the two minute warning with it. After they got a seven or eight yard run, so give them credit. They ran, they mixed in a couple running plays. Now we get inside the red zone, and it's Donovan Smith time to try to kill us here with a left tackle. Donovan Smith, since he's been in the league, and again, we're not trying to be ultra critical. We're just telling the facts. Has had more holding calls than any 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 left tackle in the league since he's been in the league. Most penalized player this year, and his PFF grade has gone down. Uh, last year was great. This year, not so much. In nope. fact, he's one of the lowest left tackles ranked out there. So, you could say whatever you want to if you're a Donovan Smith fan or you're not. But at the end of the day, he's losing technique, and he's definitely regressed this year. And I think it's a combination of things, trying to do too much, and then on top of it, the loss of an Ali Marpet. Yeah. And you're playing next to a rookie. So, once again, you're trying to do as much as you can, and you don't necessarily have that chemistry. We've seen it around the National Football League. When you don't have that consistency on your offensive line, your quarterback pays, your whole team pays. Yeah, and so, you, you know, they, th- they throw the ball. They, they throw the play that, again, give Julio Jones credit. Made a great catch on the sideline on a contested ball. I like that Tom went to Julio. Big body, big target, good catch. Clear holding on Donovan. You had to call it. You couldn't You couldn't allow the, on the touchdown pass to Godwin. If you, you, I'm going to, you know, you're the, you have to call that. It was an egregious hold. You have to call that. So there's no complaints. There shouldn't be any complaints by Buck fans about the hold. That's one you have to call. I mean, I hate to say it. You have to call it. So here's what I like though. After the holding, the Bucks didn't try to force it in the end zone. Every play he threw the nice out route to Godwin. They got six or seven yards and they got back to the six or seven yard line after the holding. I like that they did that and didn't try to jam a ball in the end zone three straight times. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I, I like the play calling on that. And again, I don't necessarily think that's Byron Leftwich. I think that's Tom Brady. But, but give him credit. I mean, they, yes. they, we don't know who did it, but but I like the, the strategy of not trying to get it all at one time. Sure. All right. So now we're down to eight seconds left in the game. I didn't love how they how they wasted. They used a little too much time there. They still had a timeout. They didn't end up using the last timeout in the game. They stayed. The game was ended with one timeout for the Buccaneers, which is pretty incredible to think. I like the, the the mismatch going after the middle linebacker with Rashad White. He's got the quickness and a little bit a little bit of a wiggle. Nice move to the cut back to the outside. Brady, a subtle little move in the pocket. If you saw the replay, you saw a subtle little step to the inside in the pocket that gave Brady the lane to throw the ball to White. Give him credit. That's why again he's not athletic, but he knows how to manipulate the pocket so well. Absolutely. And you say it so well. I mean, the subtle movement there, it tricks Demario Davis a little bit. I believe that's the linebacker on the coverage. You got Rashard White, six catches last night, nine last week. There certainly seems like there's some confidence in this kid and there should be uh, because he's catching the ball right now. He's doing everything that he needs to do to contribute to this team. And you got to be happy for him as a rookie making that big play. It's just huge for this team going forward. Last thing we'll talk about, and then we'll get to the montage with Paul Stewart, the defense. No, still no, still lacking in turnovers. I don't know what the, you know, some as as coaches say, turnovers tend to come in bunches. The Bucks, I think, have had two turnovers in the last seven, seven or eight games total, which is crazy to think. The pass rush is just not good enough. On the, we're starting to see the lack of not having Shaq Barrett, the the edge rusher. We, we're not seeing much out of Shoyinka. You know, Nassib's a decent player. A liability on on the run, and that's why but you have to play him. You got nobody else. Well, you you got to play him. 
You got Nassib, and that defense played okay. better last night, I believe, because they they cut down uh, his repetition. Okay. Until uh, Shyanka learns how to play the run consistently and get after the quarterback consistently, I think that's what you have to go with. You have to go with and just say JTS is basically a rotational player at this juncture. And NASA proved that when he's he a good player, out, he's, he's always been a good player. He was a good player for when JPP was out with the injury, yep. is he a great player. He's a good player. He's a rotational player. So you can rotate those two in and out until JTS once again, gets better against the run, especially against the run. He looks but I got to get, you got to give the bucks defense credit. The couple times they, you know, they held them after the interception to no points. So they, they, and they didn't allow that first down on the last couple drives that you had to stop them. So give, give bowls in the defense credit. They stopped them when they had to a little fortunate with the play calling by new Orleans, but the bucks got the stop. So bucks win 17, 16, they take control of the South huge win on Monday night football. We thought a couple weeks ago, the, 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 the huge win in the Rams would galvanize and kind of propel them forward. It did go into the Munich game. Hopefully this game will be another propelling of them forward as we wrap up the last five weeks of the season. Just your final thoughts, 17, 16 final. Huge win against a team that, you know, at the end of the day, it goes back to, you know, if they're a snake in the grass, you got to cut their head off. And that team, Basically, outplayed the Bucks for about three and a half quarters. The majority of the game, Andy Dalton was probably the better quarterback. But once again, instead of years past where you get embarrassed on primetime television and you lose to the Saints and possibly get them back into the division race, you take care of business. And that's what good teams do. And I still think Tampa Bay is a good team. They got things to work on. We continue to talk about it week after week. But hopefully they get healthy and hopefully they can clean some of these mistakes up. And the good thing I liked out of the team was after that game when they scored the touchdown, you saw the emotion by everybody. Yep. Bowles, Brady was so excited. The linemen, everybody was into it. Again, to me, this is a kind of game, it's ugly and it's an ugly win, but this is a kind of game that maybe galvanizes and frees up this Buccaneer roster from an emotional perspective. Not so tense, not so antsy. I get it. We're not playing well enough on offense but maybe this is the kind of joy that you want to see out of the Buccaneers. And you saw Brady at the end of it, uh, LFG. Yeah. He didn't say it like that. He hugged Tristan Wirfs. Looked pretty good there with Tristan Wirfs on that yep. ankle, so maybe he'll come back here. Sooner rather than later. Right, and that would be great. But, again, hats off to Brady, hats off to that offensive line, and hats off to the whole team, even the coaching staff, going through that adverse situation and be able, being able to come out on top. All right, Buck fans, we're going to go to Paul Stewart and his montage. Remember, buckpower.com, all, all stats, all video, anything you need Buck-related, go to buckpower.com. We're part of the buckpower.com podcast network. And also go on Paul Stewart's Buck Power TV YouTube channel. You can see this video montage if you want to see the video of this as well, and you're going to get to hear it, of the San Francisco 49ers and the Bucks rivalry. We've had some memorable games over the years. I remember Montana back in the day. You know, we played Steve Young back in the day. We've had some, you know, Mariucci and all of some of those the things. Reynolds had some great games versus Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. I've had him on my show before. We got to have that guy on again, but he's had some uh, great games against them. And then on top of it, I, I think it all started in 97 for me. Playoff game. Well, not, not just the playoff game, the 97, the first game where yes. you take out Steve Young, you take out Jerry Rice, and that yep. defense basically arrives at that point you can yes. see the year before when they went up to green bay 
and they gave Brett Favre and that Green Bay Packer offense everything they could handle. I think they lose that game. Go to buckpower.com to check this 13 to 6. You knew the defense arrived. But nationally, from that perspective, when they took out Steve Young, they took out Jerry Rice, and they beat the 49ers. Opening day. I think it was opening day, wasn't it? 13 to 10. It was opening day. The game was not on TV, but everybody at that point, yeah, and that's when the Bucks started out five and zero. That started it all out right there. And let's give a shout out to former Buccaneer quarterback Trent Dilfer, mm. named the head coach of my alma mater, my UAB Blazers up in Birmingham. How Trent excited was named it. Are you? Are you excited? I am actually. I, I think Trent's. I think Trent's going to do a good job, man. I like Trent. Won his second. He won a state championship at his high school in Nashville. UAB. It's that's a great move. I the more I thought about it, that'd have been a great move for USF. Again, we'll see what Alex Golish is going to do at USF, but a guy like Trent Dilfer with the connections he has in the professional world with coaches and players and scouts and all that stuff, I think Trent Dilfer is going to do a great job at UAB, my alma mater, where I was once a former you know, kicker punter and all that. Congrats to my Blazers for making a, a very good out-of-the-box hire in Trent Dilfer. Good for Trent. Absolutely great for Trent. All right, we'll be going, going to Paul Stewart. San Francisco 49ers Buccaneer rivalry montage, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. The last time the Bucs and the 49ers met was in the season opening game in 2019. It was Bruce Arians' first game as Buccaneer head coach, but it wasn't a good one as the 49ers came away with a 31 17 decision. But there have been six Buccaneer head coaches who've won their first game with the franchise. Can you name them? I'll have the answers to that one later on. But back to the Bucs and Niners series. And back in the 80s and 90s, when the Bucs were struggling and the 49ers were seemingly winning the Super Bowl every year, it was not really a fair matchup. It was like Barney against the Masters of the Universe. But going back to 1980, you find the first ever win for the Tampa Bay franchise on the West Coast. Now, these were John McKay's I-formation Buccaneers, but Ricky Bell was beginning to be supplanted as the lead tailback by Jerry Eckwood. He had two scores in this game, including a 35-yarder that put the Bucks 14-13 ahead in the third quarter. It would come down to the last Buccaneer drive, one that went 68 yards in 16 plays in seven minutes. Garrow Yaprimian, who had been part of the perfect Miami Dolphins, kicked a 30-yard field goal and the Bucks won 24-23. And then during the 80s and 90s came all those losses, and at one point the Bucks had a 1-12 record against the 49ers. But amongst those nine straight defeats, there were some quite memorable games. The one in 1986 was the season opener, and it had a Buccaneer quarterback throw seven interceptions in one game. It wasn't Vinny. It wasn't even a very young Jameis. It was Steve DeBerg. The Bucs, of course, lost that game 31-7, but it was the day that Leroy Selman's 63 jersey was officially retired by the franchise. The Bucs took a late 16-13 lead in the Week 2 game in 1989. And in the early days of British TV coverage, host Mick Luckhurst gave out that the Buccaneers had actually won. Unfortunately, Joe Montana scoring one with 40 seconds left spoiled the party. But Mick did call me the next day to apologise on behalf of all the British Buccaneer fans. The 1994 game at Candlestick was memorable for many reasons. It was Trent Dilfer's first start, and it also saw the first two-point conversion in team history when Craig Erickson found Horace Copeland at the end of another 49er blowout. But this game saw the ultimate trivia note. The Bucks played 16 games that season, but quarterbacks started 17. How did that happen? 
Well, Sam Weiss had Ericsson line up as a wide receiver in a trick formation in this game. Naturally, it didn't succeed as Vince Workman lost four yards on the carry. And then we came to the 1997 season opener, the first appearance of the new uniforms, the Pewter Pirates were on show for the first time. No one expected the Bucks to win this game, but Jerry Rice and Steve Young both went out with injuries, but it took until the fourth quarter for the Bucks to go ahead. Second down and goal from the one. Dilfer out of the pocket, and it's a touchdown to the tight end. Dave Moore, and Tampa Bay's got the lead. From the 26. Young dunks a pass, deflected and intercepted at the 33-yard line. Picked off by Tyrone Leggett. Tyrone Leggett only had one interception in his Buccaneer career, but what a time to get it to seal the game. And I remember Joel Glazer telling me that this was one of his favourite moments in all the years he's been involved with the ownership of the franchise. The all-time record now stands at 18-6 San Francisco as the Bucks have began to pull the series back. They had consecutive wins in 2016 and 2017, but let's go back to 2010, a shutout victory in Candlestick Park. Now, I have to show this one because Donald Penn knows where I live. LeGarrette Blunt remains the back for Josh Freeman. Freeman looks, throws, that's a touchdown! Donald Penn on a tackle eligible play. The left tackle calls in the touchdown. And the answers to trivia question, the six Buccaneer head coaches who began their careers with a win. Ray Perkins, Richard Williamson, Sam Weish, the coach who shall not be mentioned on this show, Dirk Cutter and Todd Bowles. How many did you get right? So that concludes the regular season games. Perhaps it's time we looked at the one postseason matchup between the Bucks and the 49ers. It happened in January 2003 and the Bucks were taking their first playoff step towards the Vince Lombardi Trophy. It was not close. In fact, it was so one-sided. Now, I was calling this game for British TV. We had to fill about 45 minutes before the second game started because this one was over so quickly. But wow, what an enjoyable victory. And Raymond James Stadium was rocking all through that first half. It's third and one. He's in a tight end position. This is all stuff. It's set blocking. Touchdown. Third down and seven. This is Jerovicious. And that's a touchdown. Seven and a half to go in the half. Johnson fires end zone Dudley for the touchdown. What a start for Brad Johnson. Easy touchdown, All-Stars. And you can look back at that game and all the other previous matchups with the 49ers at the best Buccaneer website in the world, BuckPower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. All right, Buck fans, welcome back to No Quarter Given. Hopefully you enjoyed the montage presented by Paul Stewart in lovely England as his English side is still alive in the World Cup. That's ongoing, so I'm sure Paul, I don't think Paul's a big soccer fan, so I don't think he's going to be up watching. I don't think oh, he is. Paul is absolutely a major soccer you sure fan. about that? Oh, absolutely. I've been talking to him all Okay, week. all right. His he's English are looking about- good. 
They're yes, in the quarterfinals. Yes, they are. US they got a huge now. tussle with the French. Les Bleus. Les Bleus. <laughs> Killian Mbappe, Peter Blake. Look them <laughs> up. Killian Mbappe. Okay. I'm not going to try to say that, by the way, either. Killian Mbappe. I'll give you credit. You did call Pulisic scoring the game-winning goal in the Iran game, so give you credit, Peter Blake. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. I should have took it to Vegas, too. I should have right? that game, yes. Yeah, so I might have had a couple shekels on the USA to win the game, too, in that game. So, all right. Did, did all you right. Win? Did you yeah, win? They won. They, they won one to nothing. USA what, won one nothing. So, how much how much shekels did you have on that game? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough? Not uh, enough. I'm not your. I'm not. I, I didn't have enough to have a big night out at the uh, at the, at the gentlemen's club with you, Peter Blake, <laughs> over there on West Shore. Because <laughs> you're you're my chauffeur. You're the one that's taking me around. You're my DD, my friend. That, that's uh, you. you keep on mentioning this. People I just are like to give you a hard time, Peter Blake. Hey, yeah. listen. You were right about that though. The 49ers in that playoffs playoffs uh, that yep. 2002 uh, year with Jeff Garcia and To. That's it. What was that? Twenty was it? Twenty-seven to three. Something bad. The Bucks won convincing. For sure. I feel like I got to look it up now on BuckPower.com. All right, let's get to the 49er preview here. Yes. Uh, uh, six and six against eight and four. Jeez. Big news here. Obviously, no Jimmy Garoppolo. Brock Purdy's now the guy for the foreseeable future. Um, I think that's an advantage for the Buccaneers. He came in and played well. Give him credit. He played well in 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 his relief duty against the Dolphins. Um, you know, weapons galore. You got you got Samuel, you got CMC, you got Ayuk, you got Kittle. But again, Brock Purdy, this is a chance for Todd Bowles to show what kind of scheme he can put together to confuse a young quarterback. They're I gonna mean, not put they're not gonna put the ball in his hands to win the game, but you gotta figure out ways to to disrupt Brock Purdy in that offense. Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant himself from Iowa, uh well coached by Kurt Ferentz, of course. Iowa State, Iowa State, Matt Campbell. Was it Iowa State? Iowa State. Iowa State. My bad. All right. So Matt Campbell, I there you go. Thank you very much for had a good career at Iowa State. He was a four year starter, played a lot of football. Yes, he did. And I tell you right now, that's the San Francisco offense. Don't lose the game uh, quarterback, don't turn over the ball, run the ball with CMC. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. It seems like he's hurt every other week. You got Debo Samuel. You're absolutely right. And you look at the list of quarterbacks that the Bucks have lost to this year. You got PJ Walker. You got the greatness of what Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Jacoby Brissett. So it's not set in stone. Yep that the Bucs are going to beat this team, but they need to start beating a quarterback like this. He's a rookie quarterback. There's a reason why he's Mr. Irrelevant. You need to take care of business, and it needs to start on Sunday, and it has to start on Sunday. You have to start stacking these wins, and if you want to be an upper echelon team, you have to come out. You have to score first. You have to play defense. You can't turn over the ball. You can't have critical uh, penalties at critical times. And you have to get pressure on this rookie quarterback. You have Here, to Here's what I'll say. If you're the Bucs, two things I'll two points I'll make. One, this is from a from a stati- from a standings perspective. The Bucs are two games behind the Niners for the three seed. If you can if you can somehow if you win this game, you now got the tiebreaker over the Niners and only be one game behind them. If mm-hmm. you can somehow get to the three seed instead of the four seed, you avoid Philadelphia or Dallas in that wild card round. You'd much rather play Washington or the Giants potentially than have to see Dallas or Philadelphia in that wild card game. And two, if you're the three seed, you're probably going to see Minnesota if you win the wild card game and not have to go to either 
to either Dallas or Philadelphia in the second round. So if you can somehow win this game, get one game behind and end up tied in the standings at the end, you'll have the head-to-head with the 49ers. Absolutely. And the, you know, the big time impact is what is going to be the impact without a Jimmy Garoppolo. What is, how is it going to affect this team? Cause I get it. They could beat a Miami Dolphins team, which you would think is upper echelon, but when you're missing both of your offensive tackles, it's kind of a different offense. Tua wasn't as accurate, not taking away from the win of the 49ers. It's still a huge win. I was surprised by it, but let's see what this kid can do. Because as we know, Defensive coordinators can start to pick up on tendencies that quick, and maybe they start to pick up on those tendencies for Mr. Irrelevant on Sunday. I would, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this is assuming you have Winfield back, Murphy Bunning back, I play these guys lock down, man-to-man, stop the running game, put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. They are not a down-the-field threat. They don't have burners at the wide receiver. Thick, they got uh, Debo Samuel's not a burner. He's he's thick and muscular and all that. Kill's not a burner. Put the ball in Purdy's hands. Make him throw the ball in tight windows. And I think you'll have an opportunity to get a couple picks. Again, if the this, you pay Carlton Davis $18 million, go cover Debo Samuel. You're paying Winfield big money. Going to pay Winfield big money. Go cover George Kittle. We need – this is the game. You put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands and make him throw for 300 yards because you cannot let – the horizontal offense, the screens, the the misdirection stuff, Christian McCaffrey, you can't let them dominate the game with the time of possession. Agree. And then on the other side of the ball, this offensive line has a challenge because this is the yep. number one defense in the National Football League. Yep. You knew. Front John four. Lynch. Front yep. four. Yep. John Lynch running this team that they were going to have a great defense. They've had a great defense for the last couple of years now, led by Nick Bosa. Uh, we'll see how many injuries are going to be on that injury report for this 49er team because they've been beset by some of these injuries, and that's still not hurt them because they continue to win. So they're a scary team on both sides of the ball, and at the end of the day, you got to have all three phases. Yes, no Jalen Darden. Yep. Jake Carmada has got to play a lot better. Ryan Suckup. It's going to be a field position kind of game. This could be that's a low-scoring field that's position kind of game. Correct. Two Coach. points I'll make and we'll get out of here. Yep. If I'm the Buccaneers this week, I'm going hurry up offense. One, it, it minimizes the ability to substitute. And two, it, it wears out these defensive linemen. This is the week I want to see up-tempo, let Tom Brady call it at the line. Even if you don't snap plays up fast, don't huddle. Stay spread out. Make it make it make it simplistic, more simplistic on defense. What's what calls they can make, things like that. Because I think if you can tire out that defensive line, then you got a chance to hit some pass plays. Because to me, their corners aren't great. They don't have great corners. Good no. corners, not great corners. But the front four is the devastating part of the team. And the last point I'll make, and we'll get, we got to get out of here. We're running out of time. Sure. Tom Brady's homecoming to the Bay Area. You don't think this guy is going to be motivated to have a to have a big game in front of his family? and all his friends that are in the San Francisco area, I do. Oh, absolutely. He's going to be motivated, and that's even more motivation for him to come out and beat this team because you know he wants to beat this team because just a couple years ago, the 49ers uh, basically passed on him to go with the greatness of Jimmy Garoppolo. So, Brady, prove yourself. Buccaneers, come out. Quick prediction, 23-20 Tampa Bay over the 49ers. I'm with you. I think 21-17 kind of game, low-scoring game. 
Bucks figure out a way to get it done. Mike Evans scores a touchdown this week as well. Tell the dog we said hello. Six yes. and six with the barking. We like it. Yes. Peter Blake, great job. Thank Buck you. fans, four o'clock game this week on the West Coast. Let's go, Buck fans. Next home game, Cincinnati next weekend. Have a great week, Peter Blake. And yes. Buck fans, no quarter given podcast. Thanks for joining us. Let's go, Buck fans. Let's go to seven and six. See you next week. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another no-quarter-given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.